They went into the woods prepared to find death. What they found was a desecration of humanity at the site which trappers have often referred to as Coffin Rock. On top of the rock formation, the story of the torture inflicted upon these brave five men unfolded. Each was bound to the other, each man's hands bound to the next man's feet, forming a solid structure out of the men. Blood at the edges of the hemp indicates that this act had been committed while each was alive and able-bodied enough to struggle. In the torso of each man, the intestines had been torn out crudely. That happened here, at Coffin Rock. My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 22. And in this episode, we are going to dive into 1999's The Blair Witch Project mm-hmm. on its 20th year anniversary. Yes, it is. So I had seen this before. Mm-hmm. I saw it when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I guess as a teenager, it wasn't gratifying enough for me. And I remember just being super bored the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't super excited going into this one. But when we were watching it, it was also right after we recorded, after drinking a lot of wine. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I appreciated it a lot more now. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed it. I'm glad. For something different. You know, I think as a teenager, especially as somebody that you know, grew up watching horror movies. It was all about that instant gratification, that jump scare, that kill, that uh, torture. And that was the era that I grew up in, the Saw era, you know, in the paranormal activity era. So with Blair Witch, you know, watching it, it's not slow, but it doesn't, it's more creep factor with Mm -hmm. this movie than it is like jumpy or... It's definitely like putting yourself in it. Yeah. It's a headspace kind of movie. Mm -hmm. And you saw this when you were a teenager as well, but you enjoyed it then. I saw this when I was young. Oh, young. I mean, I was nine when this came out. Mm -hmm. I saw it probably about then. Oh, okay. So you saw it pretty much as soon as it came out then. Yeah. My mom and I used to go to this little blockbuster and pick up movies, and I remember I saw this. I swear it was around probably the same time that I saw Scary Movie, I think. Mm. And obviously very different movies, but I remember both of those time frames and this scared me so much because stupid me she got this movie for us to watch well i was homesick one day and i'm like i'm gonna watch this by myself it's not that scary Mm. and of course i also waited because she was at work late and i was like fine i'm gonna watch it she's not coming home so Mm -hmm. i watched it at night by myself in the dark at nine years old that's pretty brave though (laughs) i gotta give it to you i still won't do that Mm-mm. Yeah. Unless it's a t- certain genre of movie, I'll still like I'll watch them by myself, but not home alone. Yeah, this one definitely creeped me out. And I remember around this time there was also like a mockumentary of the backstory of the Blair Witch, which it wasn't these kids, but mm-hmm. it was more interviews from the townsfolk and stuff. Yeah. That I think scared me even more because there was even more backstory, and I remember watching that too. I can't seem to oh, track I've it down now. That. I can't find it. Well, hit us up if you know what it yeah. is. Um, I remember watching it. It was creepy. So this movie starts in October 1994, and it basically it opens with it's a found footage movie first of all, which your yes. is your jam. I love found footage. Yeah, and this wasn't the first found footage movie, but it was early. Yeah, the. The first found footage movie that we know of, maybe there was some random dude Indie in, ones. in the 1920s that was doing it. The first one that we know of was Cannibal Holocaust in 81, I think was the year. Oh. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. But That's crazy that we have such a big gap between them. 91 and 99. Cannibal Holocaust, and then now we have Blair Witch, and then they're everywhere. Yeah. That's weird. Well, I think it was the Blair Witch Project was so successful. Yeah. I mean, and Cannibal Holocaust too, but I think that was more of a cult film. Yeah. Cult following film than, you know, more mainstream like Blair Witch. Yeah. It holds records for the most amount of money on such a small budget. It was made for $60,000 and it earned $248 million. Nice. It's, somebody did the math online and I thought it was interesting, so I don't know exactly what it was, but it's something like... They made ten thousand dollars to every dollar that they made that they paid into it. Wow! Holy shit! That's a good profit margin. <laughs> yeah, and it remained the highest indie film until My Big Fat Greek Wedding in two thousand two. I and love that movie. <laughs> those two haven't been passed since. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It tells you that in October of nineteen ninety four, students disappeared in Burkittsville, Maryland woods, and their footage was found a year later. So a group of young adults headed into the woods for the weekend to investigate the tale of the Blair Witch. And this Burkittsville, Maryland was Blair, Maryland previously. Mm -hmm. That sign has been stolen like three times. Oh, I bet. And some of these adults are just meeting for the first time, if not all of them. I don't remember. And they've gathered up a bunch of food and a bunch of supplies and they're getting ready to, like I said, spend the weekend like tent camping in the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're going around and asking the townspeople if they've heard of the Blair Witch. And they want the documentary to be as authentic as possible. And in Burkittsville, there's an unusually high number of children laid to rest that passed in the 1940s. The townspeople say they've heard stories. In the winter of 1940, kids started disappearing and people didn't know why. Someone said that two men were out hunting and they were near her area and they completely disappeared. So her area being the witch. You're right. And then an old man came down from the mountain and said he was finished. And he doesn't, he didn't give that. He just said, I'm finished. And the police went up and found missing children all dead in his cabin. Mm -hmm. So the people definitely believe that the woods are haunted. And they go to the home of a citizen in the town named Mary Brown, who is seen as like the village crazy lady Mm -hmm. by the townspeople. (laughs) And they interview her and she said she had an encounter with the Blair Witch. She said they used to go fishing by the creek and she was laying down on the leaves and all of a sudden she felt something was near her and it was a woman but she had black horse-like fur all over her body and wore a shawl she didn't say anything but kept staring and opened up her shawl and she was hairy from head to toe her face was strange looking and then this lady also goes on to say she's a ballerina and a scientist and a historian and so they're not really taking her story with much validity which they talk about in the car and I think Josh is driving. Yeah. He's not even paying attention. He's, like, looking down and looking over, but not looking out the window at driving. You're going to kill somebody. Yes. <laughs> at the end of the night, they're all in a hotel together. And this is the night before they go out. And they're celebrating a good first day, and they're checking all their equipment. So the tone here is important. So on the second day, they head to the trail and meet with – they meet up with some – they don't meet up with them, but they encounter some fishermen – And they've also heard of the Blair Witch. And one of them is like, no, there's nothing to it. And the other one is like, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then they say, damn fool kids will never learn. And they tell the story of supposedly Robin Weaver wandered into the woods, got lost. And three days later, she reappears on her grandmother's porch. She was babbling about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. The other man said he saw a white mist that rose out of the water up the side of a tree and disappeared. But then they say those things and they're like, but it's just bullshit. Because yeah, exactly. they're like, they don't want to give this theory any 
I guess, couth, you know, they're just like, nah, that's not true. Or maybe they just don't want to seem afraid because they're big, burly men, well, you know. Well, they're even out in the woods fishing. I don't think I'd want to admit it in case you're out there and it is real. I yeah, think I'd that's lie true. To myself. Yeah. And then the crew of three get their backpacks and equipment and, and they head into the trail. And the girl is the head of this project. This is basically her baby. And they smoke the whole time. How yeah. 90s is that? Yeah. And their outfits are super 90s. Yeah. But her name is Heather. And she tells this story. And she's doing kind of this like narration piece to open up the documentary. And she says, they went into the woods prepared to find death. Upon a rock formation, the torture of five men was uncovered. And it was called Coffin Rock. Now, I didn't get that entire monologue she did at the beginning, mm-hmm. but that was the gist of it. Five men went in, yeah. and they all got fucked up. Yeah, and they were, like, tied together in a circle or something. It was very ritualistic, yeah. yeah. And quickly, it's already almost 5 p.m., and it's starting to rain, of course, which is cool because it's raining right now as we're recording. Yeah. It's spooky. Mm-hmm. If it starts thundering, we're opening the window, and you're getting live thunder. <laughs> One of the guys... Here's a noise at night. That's like my worst nightmare, being out in the middle of a woods with nothing but a tent and hearing a strange noise. Dude. Even if it's an animal. Exactly. Because it's probably a big one, like a bear or mountain lion. I'm not going to be able to beat that. Even if it's like an elk or something, especially around October, like when they're in rut. I'm sorry. They're dangerous. Mm -hmm. They're going to get you. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, oh, get back in the tent. What is a tent going to do for you? They're just going to pick you up and drag you, (laughs) you know? Exactly. He said he heard a cackling. And so it cuts to the next day, and that's pretty much, they're just talking about it. You mm-hmm. know, they're like, it sounded like a cackling and footsteps and all this stuff. And they're looking at the map and saying, you know, they're like, Heather, you're getting us lost. You're getting us lost. And she's like, no, we're not lost. I know exactly where we're going. Mm-hmm. She's very confident that she's not going to get them lost. And maybe this is a generational thing. I don't think I'd be able to read, like, a map of the woods when I was in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, what markers do you have? I don't know. I know they have a compass and stuff, but how do you know which trailhead you're on if there's no mark? I mean, this is a a forest that essentially doesn't really look that wandered into. It's not like it's a park where it's maintained or anything. It's just wilderness. Well, that's why you stick to things that are easily mapped out, like the fucking river. Yeah, exactly. You can follow that back. Mm -hmm. She says they're heading to the cemetery trail And they should hit it in 90 minutes. And she's still, again, very confident that she knows where they're going. One of the guys is really on her case about her being lost. So Josh and Heather are pretty, at this point in the movie, on the same page. Which is interesting because in real life, those actors bickered the whole time. And it got so serious that, jumping ahead, but that's why they got rid of Josh early. It was actually supposed to be Mike. Yes. Because mm. they bickered so much in real life. Which probably made their bickering in the movie more real because they got to yell at each other in the dialogue. Yeah. Mm. That, it did sound, again, jumping ahead, but it did sound like they truly were screaming at each other and were, lo- I mean. Yeah. Mm. These actors went through a lot, though, yeah. filming this movie. Well, yeah, it, in most of this, the script was so basic, like they kind of knew what was going on, but not really, that they were super scared at points that we see in the movie because they were actually scared. Mm-hmm. I would hate that. There are so many like Alfred Hitchcock, for example, or uh, just directors that push their actors to the absolute yeah. limit to where it's almost cruel. But as an audience, you get... And The and the Exorcist, that director was a hard ass. Yeah. He put them through some shit. 
I mean, skipping way ahead, the girl who plays Heather, she was so petrified at the very end. That last scene scared her so much that afterwards she had a panic attack and cried in the corner for an hour. Oh my God. Like in real life after filming that scene. Because she had no idea what was happening. She didn't know what was going on. She just started. And it was so terrifying. I bet. Well, and, and it's the same fears in the movie, you know. I'll, I'll save that for the end in case for some reason somebody hasn't seen this and they're relying on our walkthrough to get to it. But so Heather says, we'll all look back on this and laugh heartily when Mike is giving her shit for them being lost. Mm-hmm. And they cross a river and end up on a path. And this is the first sighting of these, like, symbolic branches and piles of rocks. Mm -hmm. So you see these branches, and they kind of look like people. Like, they're just sticks. Mm -hmm. But they're not. And it's hard to explain. It's just a symbol. It's the symbol you see on the front of the movie case. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just that same one. So you see these symbols and then these piles of rock. And there are seven piles of rocks. And then it cuts to the dark. And they're sitting around a fire joking around. And later that night, they're out and they're filming the rocks. And one of them knocks a rock pile over and they try to just like put it back together. Mm-hmm. And have, I like how she panics. That would be me. Yeah. I believe in that stuff. Put that shit like, back. Oh my fucking God. How dare you? Yeah. You're going to get us all killed for knocking over that pile of rocks. Yeah. And then Heather later, later that night, even after this, turns the camera on and says they were sleeping. And she turns the light on and just yells hello into mm-hmm. the woods. And they're listening and carefully walking in the woods, and they hear strange noises all around them, Mm -hmm. like, coming from every direction. And Michael, or Mike, refuses to go down where they hear the noises. He's like, he will not go. Fair. I wouldn't. That is not my job. And you're in the dark, and you can't really see anything. A camera light's not going to help you. Exactly. Flashlights aren't going to help you. That'll give you one beam of light pointed at the direction that you're pointing it at that moment. Exactly. It's not going to give you... The light that you need in every corner, you know, and and it cuts to the next morning. And that's something that this movie does a good job of, I think, is there's so much implied fear and implied uh, supernatural or haunting or presence or person. You know, it's not in your face, which as a kid, I was like, that's fucking boring. But Mm -hmm. as an adult, I'm like, ooh. I love that you never see the witch. Mm -hmm. You were supposed to, but you actually never do. Yeah. And so these night scenes, you know, they're going to continue to build up the long, you know, every Mm -hmm. night that they're there is going to get worse and worse and worse. And the next morning it's raining heavily and they're talking about what they heard last night. And Josh said he thinks someone is just messing with them. And Heather is adamant that no one knows where they are. And that's a lot of commitment. If you just want to go out there and mess with somebody, you have to follow them the whole time. Otherwise, you're just not going to find them. They're exactly. not on the typical walking trails or along the river where all yeah. the fishing is happening. And they're walking around in the rain and they're concerned again because they're not going the way that they came. And Heather's like, oh, two hours max mm-hmm. to get where we're going. Two hours max. And Heather says they have to go around to get to get to the car. So they have to go around instead of going straight through like they got in, which doesn't make sense. And you can kind of tell she's I don't really know, but if we keep walking, we're going to get somewhere. And they're questioning her again. And they're so persistent. And she's still insisting she knows exactly where they're going. And they're starting to argue again about where they are. And Heather thinks they should camp again because it's going to get dark. And the guys are screaming and freaking out, especially Mike. I found it interesting to consider that they didn't have satellite phones. 
or cell mm-hmm. phones or anything back then. And nowadays, that would be part of a movie. Mm-hmm. Of at least the phones wouldn't work. They but wouldn't at least have signal. Them, that yeah. wasn't even an option for them. Mm-hmm. It was, was the cool. map and the compass. That was a pretty cool it. note. I wonder if nowadays, too, anybody, like, not experienced travelers or hikers or whatever would be smart enough to bring a compass and on that note know how to follow a compass Absolutely. or a map you know i can say i know how to i was taught how to read a map and a map legend and the acts you know all that crap and not crap but all that stuff in school but it's been such a long time yeah since we've had to break out an atlas on a road trip you know you have to wonder if you were in that situation how prepared would you be or how ill-prepared would you be? Absolutely. Because of the era of technology we're in right now. Because I would personally consider, you know, I don't even get signal going 10 minutes down the street from my house. Mm -hmm. I just completely lose it. And so I'd be like, you know, we need to plan in case our phones go out. Or I would probably be one of those people that was like carving symbols into trees or something, you know, some sort of marker for myself because I'm not – you know, outdoorsy or inclined to be. And so I wouldn't know how otherwise, other than making like a trail for myself, how to get through that. Mm-hmm. Or following the river, like you said. But that's not an option for them because they got to get off the beaten path. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would stick with the river. Yeah. Also, before we talk about this next night, there are cute little birds in the background. So if you hear that, we don't have the window open or anything. They're just singing away. Mm-hmm. It's much, that's a much more pleasant noise than this next night that our campers experience here. <laughs> so they have to camp again. And the guys have really started losing their patience. They were supposed to get back to the car already. Yes. They're supposed to be back to work tomorrow. Yes. They need to get the equipment that they rented back. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to freak out about all that stuff. And Heather is, again, insisting that they're close. And cut to later, and they're inside the tent hearing the same thing they heard the night before. There's like thrashing and crashing all around them. And Heather turns the camera light on and Heather again is asking, hello, just out into the wilderness. She's freaking out because it doesn't necessarily sound like animals and it's coming from all sides. Yeah. Just completely surrounding them. And you get a black screen for a a little while. And then you just hear it sounds like footsteps. And then it's 3 a.m., which is just like the worst time ever Mm -hmm. ghosts demons apparently witches everybody loves 3 a.m literally i woke up at 3 a.m the other night and i had to pee that was my body telling me i had to get up i literally laid in bed for an hour until it was four and then got up and peed then it was safe to get (laughs) yes you lost a whole ass hour because you're like no i'm not going out there literally i'm not going out (laughs) into that hallway I've seen way too many horror movies for that. You're going to get up and you're, something's going to fall off your wall and you're going to be like... Mm. I would have peed myself. <laughs> <laughs> you would have solved two problems at once. You wouldn't have to go to the bathroom anymore and you could just go back to your bedroom exactly. and you would have peed. So the next morning there are new piles of rocks outside their tents and there are three piles. And they're positive that they weren't there before. So first of all, I, that would immediately be to me, oh, that's it we're dead exactly that's our grave that is our signal from this witch that we are done Mm -hmm. i I would just i'm gonna sit here in this fucking tent i'm not gonna wear myself out walking she's gonna come back and get us anyways we should wait till the night i don't even care Mm -hmm. i'm done and then heather lost the map but she didn't lose the map exactly the map was taken by i don't know the blair witch maybe (laughs) whoever something (laughs) whoever kicked it into the fucking river yep And 
she has convinced, she's convinced that one of them had to have taken the map. Mm -hmm. That she didn't actually lose it because she's like, it was right here in this pocket. I know exactly where it was. And now Josh and Heather are arguing. So Mike's been going at Heather this whole time. And Josh has been like, calm down, dude. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Josh has reached the end now. Yeah. Now they've all reached their limit. But Heather feels responsible for them being out there because this is her project. So she's still trying to be like, no, it's fine. We know where we're going. Da, da, da. You know, and now both the guys are like, nope, we're fucked. And they mm-hmm. just start, they're, they're at the end of their, their rope here. And Josh and Heather are still arguing about the map when they decide that they're going to follow the creek. And again, Josh is losing it. And he says, all blame aside, this is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And Josh is saying people are going to notice that they didn't get back when they said they would and that people would come looking for them. And then I made a, a note, how much battery life do these cameras have? Absolutely. That's a good point, yeah. Like, that's when I said that, you know, how much battery battery do these cameras have? Because they're going this whole time. So, of course, they probably have battery packs and stuff for them. But they last days and days and days and days and days and hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. So, I just, that's not that important. But it's something I was like, huh. She falls in the river because they're crossing it or the creek. And they're laughing at her. And she's, like, really agitated. And she blames them again for losing the map. And then Mike is losing it. And he's just laughing like a crazy person. Maniacally, yeah. And then he says he kicked the map into the creek. And now Heather is just screaming at him. And he's a fucking asshole. And if they die, it's his fucking fault. And then Mike is like, well, it was useless anyways. Mm -hmm. And they're still fighting. And now they're like, okay, well, we've got to use the compass. If heading this way didn't work, now we'll just go this way. Mm -hmm. And just walk because eventually we will find something. Well, yeah. I mean, if you head east forever... You might eventually get to the... You're in Maryland. You're going to get to the ocean. Mm-hmm. If you head south forever, you're going to get to a different state. So, come on. You're going to find civilization eventually. At some point. But it's like, how can, how long can you hold out for? How that's, long is your food going to hold out for? How long is your water going to hold out for? That's exactly you know, it, yeah. How long can you withstand the elements? I mean, they're being rained on all the time. That's or just, how long can you outlast the Blair Witch? Yeah. Well, even her aside, you still, yeah. your chances aren't great. But adding her in, you're royally fucked. Mm-hmm. So later that day, they find those weird symbols that look like people hanging in trees. That um, would scare the fuck out of me. You're yeah. in the middle of the woods and you walk into that. And because they, as they say, no redneck is this creative. Yeah. Like they know this is some fucked up shit. Yeah. And they're freaking out again because she's still filming all of this. And they're like, come on, turn it off turn it off this isn't funny anymore and she's like no i need to document this and then mike is just screaming into the nothingness for help you know for someone to hear them and heather says i think it's safe to say at this point we're lost and i don't know what to do and she says that into the camera Mm -hmm. and kind of quietly to herself and then there's another night in the woods and they decide not to light a fire because they think that's how they were found the first time Mm -hmm. is because they lit a fire And Heather wakes up gasping and she's terrified. And then they're all awake. And someone walked past the tent with like a raspy kind of gasp noise. Mm -hmm. That's so scary. Yeah. So somebody's out there with you. Yes. And they're rustling around and they run out of the tent. And then someone says, oh my God, what the fuck is that? And then they... Someone in the tent was shaking. Mm Mm-hmm. They didn't know that was going to happen. The director just said, go sit in the tent. And then he had everyone of the crew just shake the fuck out of it. So that was real fear when they mm-hmm. were freaking out. Because they didn't know what was, what was going to come. They had no idea. Mm. Again, that's how directors get a lot of these really good reactions. reactions. 
they huddle together and then the camera they turn the camera light off and then it's a black screen with them whispering for a little bit and the next morning you're still in the same fucking spot yeah that's that theory yeah scares the fuck out of me literally you're so petrified that you're not going to go back added to the fact that you don't have any sort of psychological barrier like a tent could possibly because they run they take off and you literally just huddle in this little out in the elements anything can walk past you anything can be looking at you in the dark at you at you you don't know yeah and then you again get that black screen and the next morning you see that they just stayed out there all night terrifying and they say they need to go back to the tent and they get back there and josh's backpack was really fucked with and it was just thrown around and there was this like gooey stuff on it gross in real life yeah He's Vaseline. <laughs> I feel like that would have been cheaper. <laughs> she's like, well, why was it you, Josh? Why was it Josh? And they're mad that she's filming it still. Mm-hmm. And Mike and Heather are talking about Josh losing it. So it's interesting how this flipped because at the beginning of this little expedition, Mike was really critical of her. Mm-hmm. But now Josh is like losing his sanity. Mm-hmm. And so then Mike and Heather are like, okay, Josh is losing it. We need to try to stick together here yeah. to keep it together. So they're like newfound allies. I would lose it because I would assume at that point, like he does. That He's being hunted. Yes. Yeah. And he even says it later that mm-hmm. they're being hunted. And Josh is crying off camera. Mm-hmm. He's just like huddled and crying. And Mike is telling her not to shove the camera in his face. And he says, what is this blue jelly shit all over my stuff? And he's mm-hmm. all hung up on that, which is fair because that's a, you've been marked. Yes. And they're talking about having to set up camp again. And there's not a lot of daytime idleness in this. It gets to the evenings pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. which is nice because if it's not going to be a super, like, in-your-face kind of movie, at least get to the creepy parts of it. At least keep up the pace. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And whatever is in the woods, they know will come back. And they come across the same river and they think the same log they've already crossed. And Heather's trying to tell them it's not the same log, but she's crying and... Mm-hmm. she's she has no idea and then she heather has broken down now too yes heather breaks down and sobs and she tries to tell herself that it's okay and mike is now the one trying to keep everyone civil and they decide that they need to take turns on watch while they camp and then josh is just antagonizing heather about no one's gonna help us he's gotten to the point where he's like this is it we're gonna die no one is helping us and you're stupid if you think that we're gonna make it out of this yeah and he's not soft about it anymore he's just He's just done. Yeah. And then they're back in the tent at night and they're talking about the food they miss. And Heather is sewing, you know, so at least they're kind of at this resolve. Like I miss cheeseburgers and I miss this. And then she's sewing. And that seems like a therapeutic thing to do. I think in the moment Mm -hmm. there is get your mind off. Well, it's not going to be off of it, but get your hands to do something. Keep yourself busy. The next day, Heather is yelling for Josh. And then she turns to Mike and said, do you remember what he said yesterday about the shit on his pack? And Heather is panicking and crying. And it cuts to her sitting and talking about Josh not coming back and that she will need to carry the camera. And then Mike and Heather decide to go east since south hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we've walked south for what, like three or four days now. Mm-hmm. So now we walk east. I think if I had walked one direction that long, I would probably just continue to walk that direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks though. In New England, you could walk through a forest and be, you know, through a couple states and not you know depending on where it is maybe he's still not hit a town Mm -hmm. if you're just in that position to just walk through the forests you know and then again 
Mike and Heather are sitting together and they're talking about wine and pie and baths and their favorite thing to do on Sundays. And they're kind of sitting really close together and she's like leaning on him, you know. So they're trying to be as humane to each other as possible. Well, they're all each other has now. Exactly. And then it's a new night and it cuts to a black screen. And they hear Josh dying Mm -hmm. and he is crying and he is screaming for help. They essentially hear him being what sounds like tortured. Yeah. And they're yelling for him and she turns the camera light on and they're both crying and yelling for Josh. And, you know, Heather, eventually they're not finding him and not, they can't pinpoint where it's coming from because it's like his voice is being thrown around in different directions. And Heather looks at Mike and says, Mike, please don't fall asleep. And he does. But I think at that point you're so exhausted. How do you not? Mm-hmm. I think the only way to sleep is to be to the point of exhausted where your body is like, you're laying down. I'm going to put you to sleep now. Yeah. You need to sleep. And they go outside the tent in the morning and she's, or she does. And she sees a bunch of sticks held together with bloody fabric from Josh's clothing. And she doesn't really look at it very much. She just throws it. Yeah. She's I like, I can't deal with this. She's like, I'm just moving it. I'm just moving it. Like, she's trying to be respectful, but also it has to get the fuck away from me right now. Yeah, and she's filming, like, I'm just going to put it over here, and we're going to put it there, and Mm -hmm. that's it. We're not going to do anything with it. We're not going to touch it. We're not going to open it. Nothing. And then Mike is rocking back and forth when she gets back, and he's saying, we'll just keep walking. We'll just keep walking. And then they're sitting, and they're rocking back and forth together. So Heather goes back to the sticks that she moved, and she didn't tell Mike that she moved this she didn't tell him what she found mm-hmm. and she goes back and she's again sees that it's drenched in blood and opens it and i couldn't tell what this was at first but you told me and it was a tooth yeah in it yeah if someone and i don't know if this this was post-mortem or what but if somebody was yanking my teeth out while i was alive that's why i couldn't stand i know you haven't seen it but the human centipede too yeah i haven't seen it they he, or any of them yeah he rips teeth out with pliers to better connect them and it was that's literally i stopped i couldn't with the teeth thing i just yeah, couldn't I do know it teeth is like eyes or me teeth i can't like do like thing. teeth pulling or ugh. like another one it was in the possession the little one with the box mm-hmm. she makes the dentist's teeth all just like start falling i just can't yeah. so they walk and they stop walking for Mike to eat a giant leaf. <laughs> He's so desperate. He's literally just munching on this giant leaf. This poor guy. And then it cuts to night again. So, again, this it's so quick. Like, yes. it's daytime for, like, five minutes, and then it's night again. If that. If mm-hmm. five minutes. And that famous shot of her recording herself in the dark, mm-hmm. crying, that's on covers and trailers and everything, is here. And she's apologizing. She's saying sorry to her mom and her dad, and she's saying I love you, and she's basically just saying her goodbyes. Yeah. Hoping that this footage gets found, which in the beginning it tells you this was recovered a year later. Yeah. And so hopefully her family did get to see it. And she says that she was naive, and she's sorry for what happened. She says it's her fault because it was her project. It's my fault we're here now, hungry and cold and hunted. And then she says, what is that? Mm-hmm. And she starts crying and panicking and she's scared to close her eyes and she's scared to open them. And she says, I'm going to die out here. And then it cuts to a black screen again. They turn on the camera and leave the tent. They hear what sounds like Josh yelling again. And so they're like, oh, maybe he's not dead. Maybe she just tortured him Mm -hmm. or what or something. And they're also going crazy. So they're like, Josh, (laughs) you know, and 
they go out and they come across this house. The last thing I would do is go in that house, personally. Mm -hmm. Last thing I would do. But they think Josh is in there, so they're better friends than me. And Mike goes in the house, and it's all dilapidated and falling in on itself, of course, because it's just out in the middle of the woods, not being taken care of. Maryland, where you know it's it's humid and that stuff's gonna rot out there. Yeah, definitely, and especially because it's old, so it's all wood. It's not like there's brick and you know. And cute house though. Yeah, would have been. Would have been, yeah. And then it's I was I said it's spooky even if it's not haunted. (laughs) We had a house like this down the street from us. When I was growing up and Annie and I would go in it a lot Mm -hmm. and it was like, and this, it was, the house was left and never returned to for some reason. There's open toothpaste, there's an open peanut butter jar and it's just been sitting and rotting for decades and decades and decades and decades. They finally just knocked it down within the last couple years. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'll have to like get annie to d- tell you the story because i don't know it very well and sh- she's very close to this family and i don't want to be disrespectful about what happened to this family but he tended the garden until he was 100 years old and died oh but god. would not go in the house oh my god mm-hmm. side story but yep and it was the last house annie, on our street send in that side story yeah yeah we I'll, need to hear it yeah and like i said she was really close to him up until she even got a tattoo for him when he died it, anyways, it just reminded me a lot of that house. And I've been in a house like that. So I say, oh, I wouldn't go in. But Annie and I did all the time. Yeah. There was wardrobes and clothing. And literally, like, they walked just up and left. And, yeah, left it. it it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. But anyways. And they hear Josh yelling again. And it sounds like it's coming from upstairs. So they run upstairs. And there are handprints all over the walls. Mm-hmm. And now Mike is convinced he's downstairs. Mm-hmm. And he books it downstairs. And Heather is screaming bloody murder from above him and is yelling, Mike, Mike. And then all of a sudden, Mike is dead mm-hmm. on the ground. And then Heather is screaming his name again and comes down. And Heather sees Mike's dead body propped up in the corner, standing yeah. in the corner. And the camera falls. And it's the end of the movie. Scariest fucking scene of the whole fucking movie. When he's just standing there. Yes. Like, I don't even care about her getting knocked dead. But all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, my God, what is going to happen to her? Is he going to turn around? Are you going to see the yes. witch? Which you don't. You don't see his face and you don't see the witch. And I think when I was a teenager and that was the end of the movie, I was like, you were I didn't even get to see the witch. Yeah. yeah. But as as a an adult horror fan now, I'm like, that's scary. Yeah. Like, a ma- okay, just close your eyes. And imagine you've been hunted for four or five days straight in the woods Mm -hmm. by something that you think is a paranormal or supernatural or even like a a witch, a demon force, something, an evil force. And now you're in this house. And again, it's dark. And the one person that links you to humanity, Mm -hmm. you can't find them and they leave you alone. Mm -hmm. And then you go down and you see them just staring into a corner and then something kills her that's fucking terrifying Mm -hmm. the whole movie and i know a lot of people think this movie is boring or overrated or whatever but the whole movie if you were one of them Mm -hmm. would be so incomprehensibly terrifying that the fact that it's not in your face i think gives you free license to let your imagination run wild and i think that's sometimes what we create in our heads can be scarier than what a movie can show us absolutely and i think that's where a lot of movies nowadays they falter 
I think that La Llorona would have been creepier if I hadn't seen direct shots of her yes. face and just yes. kind of if her figure. If we had figure. just seen the hands and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was creepier in the trailers. Yeah, exactly. And so I know that that's kind of the era we're in. We need to be instantly gratified right now and we want to be scared. And we mm-hmm. want you to come up with the scariest face or the scariest set of eyes or the scariest monster. But this movie, I think, was so nuancy and did so well at scaring you with just what do you think it looked like? Mm-hmm. What do you think the witch was doing? Absolutely. That things that we create can a lot of times be scarier than any movie we've ever seen. I know sometimes my dreams are scarier than any movie I've ever seen. Ooh, and they're yeah. their own horror movies. And my brain just puts that all together. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where this movie excels. And I really enjoyed it upon rewatch. So if you haven't watched it in a while, put yourself in that headspace and see if you like it. You may not. And you may still want something more from it. A lot of people do. And I don't blame them for that. But just re-watch it if you're one of those people that was kind of iffy or bored by this movie. And see if that makes a difference in your experience with that movie. Absolutely. You ready for some facts? I'm ready. You ready? Okay. To increase the fighting between all of the characters, they actually were given less food every single day. What the that they were fuck? filming. Yeah. So that was little psychological warfare that's interesting that they i know they wouldn't want them to get along because they wanted them to be on edge but then like do you think they like shook hands at the end and were like oh good job like i'm sorry about getting tense or do you think they were just like fuck that bitch and they walked away from the job and they hated them forever like i get intensely hangry i couldn't imagine that i would i would be horrible you guys would not it's so funny like at work when someone comes to you with a problem and if you've eaten you're like yeah sure thing and then if you haven't you're like are you a fucking idiot why don't you know that? <laughs> it's so funny so true that is me Connor. just keep her fed and it's fine i went over to my mom's house the other day and i was in a bad mood and i literally had no idea why and then we left and connor fed me and i was so happy afterwards and he's like good to know i'm always gonna remember if you're upset for no reason and you don't know why feed you bring a snack (laughs) (laughs) so in the beginning when the actors are interviewing the townspeople they were told by the director just to go interview townspeople they had to come up with questions and stuff like that what they didn't know is that those townspeople were plants so they thought hmm. their reactions were real because they thought these townspeople were real. So is the Blair Witch legend real? Or was that something the filmmakers fabricated and made the actors believe was a real story? They fabricated it. That's, okay. that's not a real story. Because I know sometimes things are very loosely mm-hmm. based on folklore. No, not even loosely. Like the actors thought that maybe it was loosely based. That's why they were they knew to ask certain questions and maybe these townsfolk were real. But afterwards, they found out and felt so betrayed that it's it was total imagination by the director. Yeah, but it put them in a different headspace as actors. This whole thing, I feel like they are almost a part of the audience themselves. They're being taken on a separate ride. Like, you are taken on a ride when you watch a movie. They were taken on a separate ride by even acting in that movie without even realizing. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was going on. Their director, each moment, would tell them, hey, go do that, and then scare the fuck out of them. Yeah. When they find out that they walked all day, even, and they had to come back to the same place, that was a real reaction. They did not realize they were going back to the same place, and they had literally walked all day long. With that shit on their back. Yes. And they carried everything except for their tent. They had a separate guy that was off camera do that. Yeah. So we were actually originally supposed to see the witch. When she's running out of the tent and she's screaming, oh my god, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? So the shots that we get are from them. They didn't have a separate camera crew. It's from these three actors. 
So Mike, the guy who played Mike, was supposed yeah. to pan to the left and show a witch like racing next to them in white. Okay, that's terrifying. And he though. forgot to. Hmm. Probably because he's terrified. He's, he's also running like, away. Run. Yeah, because they are so scared in this movie about stuff that's going on. Yeah. Like I said before, she was so part of why she was so traumatized at the end and she broke down crying and had a panic attack at the very end of the movie was they had boxes of Josh's voice screaming in the trees. They mm. had Mike's voice screaming in the house and that's all she's hearing all by herself. Mm. I hate that for her. How? Th- yeah, th- you're going to have a mental breakdown from that. Yeah. But you're going to be in an iconic movie and give an iconic yeah. performance. <laughs> Was she in anything else that you know of? Not that I know of. And then I, I want to bring up two theories. And this is just more talk about her. So theory one, this is something that has been put online. And I don't, I don't know if I believe this, but it's kind of cool to think of. There's a theory going around online that the Blair Witch isn't real in this movie. That the Blair Witch isn't real, but it's actually Mike and Josh taking Heather out to kill her. Yeah. So it's like... They hide the map from her. Or there's times when they're walking ahead and she can't quite hear them. Or there's times when they're talking together and she's not next to them. Or what if Josh isn't actually dead and he's just yelling out there trying to get Heather over there. And Mike's standing in that corner and he's alive just so Josh can come behind her and kill her. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. It was an interesting theory to think of. I wonder what the motive would be behind that. Or if maybe it was like Scream and they're just like having fun. They're just murderers. Yeah. Yeah. But my theory that I thought of while we were watching this, because this is one of the few we've gotten to watch together, which was pretty cool. Yeah, we usually watch them separate, yeah. And when I was sitting, laying there on the couch watching this with you, I was thinking, what if the Blair Witch is a Wendigo? Now, do you know what a Wendigo is? Explain. Okay. A Wendigo is someone who it happens with miners and hunters and Oregon Trail people and stuff like that. Like the Donner Party, if they get stuck out in the middle of nowhere and they end up having to eat people, Mm -hmm. they have to resort to cannibalism, they turn into Wendigos. This evil spirit takes them over so that they have to consume human flesh for the rest of their lives. And psychologically, too, if you know you have to, making up an excuse like that helps you live with it. Exactly. You know. So, my theory, what if the Blair Witch is a Wendigo? So, we hear from Mary Brown in the beginning that... She has these fur-covered arms. Mm-hmm. That's not in every story of a Wendigo, but that's kind of common, too, where they're almost like Bigfoot, where they're covered in fur, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. We also have noises. Like, we can assume the first time we hear Josh screaming that he's dying. What about the second time? And what about when it's coming from all over? Wendigo are supposed to be able to mimic human voices, like, from anywhere. So it could be moving all through those woods, screaming and crying and sounding like him interesting it's like bigfoot exactly it's a bigfoot theory exactly and it moves fast and you don't really see it and it's out there in the middle of the woods where it might have had to have resorted to eating people hmm that's my theory interesting that's that's a decent theory you know it's interesting because one of it's kind of like aliens like bigfoot theories or something i'm like i'm not really interested but then when i start like paying attention it's pretty interesting like Mm -hmm. when you did that story in the beginning of the podcast i was like eh, bigfoot but then i was like into it i was mm-hmm. like oh that's scary mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah that'd be interesting did you look up blair witch theories or is this just like a known I thing just, like, like with the murder theory i just like to look up trivia and i yeah. guess it's so well known that it was just on imdb trivia and 
there's even i didn't even read all of it i skimmed it because it is so long and in detail on imdb on every little thing on how mike and josh might be doing this and i'm like i read like the first paragraph or so and i was Mm -hmm. like "Ooh, that's those are good points that's in depth i'm not going to continue this but i'll bring it up that poor girl yeah if that's true (laughs) yeah i mean either i i don't know if i'd rather be the first to go or the last to go probably the first because then if you're still there after somebody goes you know that they just got murdered you know you're coming i wouldn't want to be the last yeah i wouldn't i'm so scared to die alone so petrified of that yeah that's true at least it didn't take her long between mike and well if mike was dead yeah but think of how scared she was up until that point how fucking terrified she was yeah i would never want to feel that Mm -mm, me neither I would give this movie probably a three and a half out of five on my end. Wow, this is the first time we haven't matched on something. Well, mm-hmm. I guess because I like the classics, we kind of don't match on that, but five out of five. Oh my God. Really? This movie is amazing to me. It's a classic and it scares me enough, like The Grudge, where I can't watch it by myself and I will only watch it once a year during the light of day and that's it. Or wine drunk. Because <laughs> I, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, an, I mean, I didn't, I don't begrudgingly give it a three and a half. That's a strong three and a half, closer to a four. If I had to say if it was like closer to three or closer to a four, it'd be closer to a four. I really like it. It probably isn't something that I re- will reach for to give me the thrill, mm-hmm. but I definitely appreciated it. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it. I felt even better about my five after reading these reviews. Because yeah. I was already like, this is amazing. I'm going to rate it that. But yeah. reading the, the, maybe it's this, maybe it's, Josh and All Mike, these, and then like, when I'm sitting there like, what if it's a Wendigo? It could be so many things because you don't see again, it. Again, your imagination gets yes, to run wild. That is the best. It's literally a playground for your brain. Yeah. That's the best. That's cool. That's a cool mm-hmm. way to think about it. So thank you for joining us for episode 22. You can find us on Facebook at the Exorcisters Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the Exorcisters Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at the Exorcisters. You can also feel free to email us if you would like us to review a movie or if you have stories you'd like to tell us or things to discuss. Especially right now, we would love to hear if you have any stories with haunted artifacts, specifically something like dolls. Yeah, or, or anything. You know, we got Annabelle coming. And so if yeah. you've had any experience with specifically haunted dolls, hit us up. But really any haunted artifacts, maybe something that was given to you or you picked it up at a thrift store, something like that. Send us your stories because we'd love to talk about them on another haunted happy hour that we are planning. So shoot us an email at theextrasisters at gmail.com. And next time, the ultimate experience in grueling terror. Till then, stay creepy. Bye.